Oh, this will be. I want to catch out. this part. Yeah, this is my assistant, Pooch. Pooch, say hi. Aww. Here we go. Hi. Yeah. Hey, your favorite. Hi, name. Pooch. His name is Pooch. Yeah, my parents named him. They couldn't think of anything more original. So uh, <laughs> he loves when I'm home because I'm like the cool uncle. He gets to sleep on my bed right beside me. Aww. Spoil him. I take him. That's so, fun. A man's so, best friend. Yes, I know it. <laughs> okay. Are you ready to start? Yeah. Yeah. I'm all set up. <laughs> and uh, it's good to see you. Good to see you too. I'm excited. I have my machine ready. I didn't start CaseCat yet, but I'm opening it right now. I don't know if, if we're planning to do anything. I, well, of course, yes, we are going to be doing things in CaseCat, right? <laughs> well, yeah, the, the point of this is to improve real-time writing. So yes, maybe we can. Can I start with, uh, can we start with the question? Yeah, sure. I just want to make sure I get these questions answered because they are real questions. And I know, I, like, I think some of them, well, the ones that I texted you about, I might not need, but I wrote a few more down. All right, fire away. Okay. Um, wait. Oh, wait, sorry. I'm sorry. This is, um, why am I not finding where I saved it? Okay, um, never mind. I can't find it. Well, so let's just as questions come up, just shout them out or you know, like yeah. you said, keep a running list and in other sessions we can go through them. I just hope I can find a place where I'll actually remember where I kept it. Well, that's a good point. So Why don't we step back from the actual real-time part of this and talk about organization? Because I know you've talked a lot about that in your other podcasts. Yes, so I definitely, that's are, important. What works for you? Is it, first of all, is it paper or is it electronic? That's Honestly, I think, I think I've been trying so hard to do electronic for the past few years, but it's not. I don't think it's working. I think like when I actually use a physical planner and a physical notebook, mm -hmm. it's so much better for me because it doesn't have all those distractions, all the notifications, yep. all the apps and things. Like sometimes when I open my phone, I forget what I was doing. But yep. with a notebook, it keeps me very focused. So I started this year doing like writing more kind of journaling and keeping track of things on paper. I love it. But Here's, I just my, bought this. Look at this beautiful. This is from Japan. Wow. In this paper, it's it's unlined. I've just started filling it. And oh my God, it's like writing on a dream. Like a dream. Is that writing. for your special pens? Oh yeah. You know it. Here's my this is <laughs> the one I, I featured in my video when I went to the Mont Blanc store. I just bought this fountain pen that's solid 18 karat gold. This is a calligraphy curved tip. So it, I don't know if you can see the very tip, but it's curved upward, which lets you write with a very, very thick stroke. It's like a fire hose. And then you can turn it upside down and you can write and it's like needlepoint, very extra fine, they call it. So I love How writing. How much does that cost? $1,000. Wow. I bought it without blinking that's... because I, I write with it every single day. It's not the most expensive pen I own, 
but I also, believe it or not, am not into like luxury goods, like watches and cars and leather belts and wallets and all that, and, you know, purses for women and colognes, all that fancy stuff that we're surrounded <laughs> by in New York City and in American culture in general. I don't care about any of it, but I'm a pen guy. I love my fountain pens and I have some low-end fountain pens, cheap, you know, from a few bucks all the way up to whatever because I, and I write with them every single day and I'm always buying new journals, new inks, new, new types of paper to experiment on. And I think the reason I'm going on about this is because it, again, to step back from real time, we're talking about passion. What are we passionate about? And gosh, we could spend the whole hour talking about that. And I would love to do that with you, you know, get you talking about your passions that are outside of the world of court reporting, because honestly, and I've become more and more frank about this. This job is so hard, court reporting and or captioning, depending. It's so hard and so demanding and stressful and time consuming that the number one reason to do it is to get paid a lot of money. We all need yeah. money to be able to afford the things, the necessities and also the, the luxuries, for example. The fountain pens. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, I have to, to work my ass off because I like to have that kind of income and, and also be humble about it because I live below my means. So I don't, don't like I say, I don't have a high spending lifestyle, but I get to go to Broadway shows when I want. I can, you know, afford the, the, the necessities of life. And I'm grateful for that. And that brings it back to real time because I've developed my real time skill and I want to encourage everyone to develop their real time skill. So feel free to chime okay, in. So, yes, let's, I, I like what you're saying here because it it's kind of starting with the, foundations of okay why it why is it so hard for me <laughs> to actually do what I need to do in order to improve because I have like the bare minimum of what I need to work and I just like when I was in school it was a very structured environment so I yes. was able to go like full force focus I don't know my brain works very well with routine predictability stability and I was able to really like focus and just my goal was just to finish as fast as possible and start working. And I just really wanted to start working. I wasn't concerned about being the best of the best. I just wanted to, you know, start, start to get out there and, and make it an income. Um, and so I am like, I have this fear that, well, first of all, it's going to be a lot more work than it was in school because you don't have the structure. You don't have like a curriculum you can follow. You have to piece things together to try to figure out like what to do and make a plan. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm really amazed at all the people that have done it. Like you, you all have amazing discipline and like that's awesome. And I'm hoping to get to that point too. Uh, but but then you have to so you have to like create your own plan and then hold yourself accountable, stick to it, like believe in it and believe that you're gonna that it's gonna be worth the time. And I just have this fear that like I'm gonna be like kind of like how I was in school, which was, it just, I don't know. I feel like I was trapped in school. I didn't have much freedom. I, I just like 100% was focusing on that. And I don't like, I don't want to have my life hundred percent focused on something. Like I want to be able to balance it better and still move forward, like little by little. So let me just say in response, I'm so glad you're recording this because you just threw out a whole lot of very big high-level concepts that we could break down each one of them and gosh yeah well also when I posted I posted something on the Facebook the entrepreneurial court reporter podcast Facebook group and I posted that I was going to create a guide as I take myself through real time and I want to document everything and share it with others 
but right. what people and I was asking people for their opinions and for their feedback and like help any help they can give. And there were so many articles posted and it kind of overwhelmed me. I mean, it's great that there are so many sources out there, but but it's like a lot to keep. First of all, where am I going to save all these links? <laughs> Second of all, like, when am I going to sit down and read them? You know, it just. OK, so I just wanted to add that because I know there's a lot a lot out there, but it's not in a very easy to like, like I said, you have to kind of piece it together. It's just like trying to find the perfect diet. You can watch a million YouTube videos. Not that I've done this, of course I have. And you'll have the people that swear by vegan that say never eat an animal product. And you'll have the carnivores that say plants are trying to kill you. And you'll have the Mediterranean diet and you'll have high fat, low carb. And you'll have everything diametrically opposed, all claiming they're right. And it's, it's confusing. So we have to step back and say, what does common sense dictate as far as diet is concerned, it's energy balance and being healthy and having a variety and eliminating processed foods. That's what I'm following. And I'm proud to say, I just weighed myself this morning at my parents' house and I lost 20 pounds since the last time I was home. So I'm, I'm thrilled Yay. about it. Good job. With, Amazing. Yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled because, you know, I'm doing well in work, but I also took, uh, I suffered physically because like you said in your comment, you felt trapped, you didn't have balance and you were focusing on just one thing. And that's also the same for me. But when you do that, you, you get really good at that one thing, like playing the piano or playing an instrument. You know, you have to put in hours and hours a day to learn your scales, learn your arpeggios. And then slowly you start learning the more complicated Beethoven and Rachmaninoff sonatas. So to use the, the diet metaphor with real time and structure for court reporting, and, and you were saying there's so many resources out there and how do you organize them? You don't really need to, you know, read everything that you can, sure, and take away, like with the diets, take away what's good from each one. The carnivore diet, I don't, it's just not common sense to me that only eat meat. Human beings aren't meant to only eat meat, but I love eating chicken and beef. And so you get good protein from meat sources. Vegans, they, they espouse vegetables. And of course, vegetables are healthy and fibrous and nutrients. So as you're reading your court reporting resources, take the good parts from each resource, maybe get the high level one sentence summary write it down in your journal or wherever you decide to organize your notes and let that be the kind of amalgamation of the good advice that you receive. And then the rest of it is just filler words, you know, 80% to 90% of language is filler. So what is the really high level takeaway message from everything that you read? And then take what, it's like a buffet, take what you like, leave the rest, and then apply that to your own practice. And I'm also, I wanted to mention, I had texted you and said, please remind me to mention David Goggins. And so I'm going to bring up David Goggins now. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot. <laughs> yeah, well, be prepared. If you've never heard him speak before, he's super intense, motivational. He swears a lot. He has earned every right to do it. He went through terrible abuse growing up and was out of shape, overweight and down on himself, didn't have any direction in life and became a Navy SEAL and an ultra- elite marathon runner and is a world-class uh, bodybuilder athlete. And his takeaway message, if you listen to him, he, he doesn't vary from his message that, uh, how to put it into words, 
I don't even know how to put it into words. It's it's basically focus singularly on what you want and go after it ferociously. Like take no prisoners, just aim for the highest level, be the absolute best you can be. When you're ready to quit, that's when you're, it's amazing. He says, when you're lifting weights and, and you're starting to burn, you're only at 40% of your energy exertion. And meanwhile, most of us, including me, when I get to that point where I'm lifting and all of a sudden my arms start burning, I'm ready to just let the weight go and say, okay, there, I did my workout. His point is we have so much more potential that we can tap into. And his results have proven that, you know, borne that out because he transformed his body and his life and is now, I assume, a very high net worth individual who's in demand to speak about these very concepts. And I wish we could bring the David Goggins philosophy into court reporting because it works, it gets results. And nobody should be struggling the way you're describing. Should be struggle, should not be struggling for a year to pass a, a, a speed test. I think court reporting can be done theory to 225 in one year. If you apply again, that, that kind of rigid discipline, relentless focus, like an army marching through, you have to be militaristic about it and you get the results. But that's not the environment that we had in school. And most people Well, that's don't. what I did. Hmm? That's what I did, but I don't want to do it again. <laughs> well, but you know, you don't need to do it again. What I'm saying is apply the principle to the, the, the little steps that you take each day. So if you say, okay, for one hour today, I'm going to have that that laser focus on my objective. I want to improve this much today, which is kind of what this webinar is about. I have some some, we're going to talk about constitutional law. I was thinking about what can we talk about and actually use as dictation material to illustrate some concepts. And I think it will hopefully illuminate the point that I'm making, which is that we can go from being a little bit sloppy at the beginning to at the end of even a short, you know, we've been talking for 15 minutes. So after maybe half an hour of writing, you'll see the difference. You'll see the improvement because things that didn't come out correctly before will come out correctly now after we've done the work. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you're making your plan, when I'm making my plan for mm -hmm. real time, there are different categories that I want to divide it into. So I like, I'm getting that I need to separate it out a little bit. So it's like, number one is accuracy and dictionary building that kind of goes together right like when you're practicing kind of slow but for accuracy and defining every word and then there's the speed so do you recommend practicing those separately there's more than speed and accuracy and speed oh well, i know but there's the technology and everything yeah so in my interview on stenographers world last week i was talking to Al Betts and I said, the biggest challenge for captioning is not speed and it's not accuracy, it's audio. It's being able to hear people because students, I, I do 90% of my work is, is undergraduate captioning and students are just not trained to speak and to assert themselves and to be present when they're answering a question or when they're responding or, or asking a question. So we, you know, when you say what category we, Captioners and court reporters don't pick the topics that are going to be discussed, right? As a court reporter, your agency says we have a deposition at this law firm on this day, starting at 10 a.m. and going until whenever, and, and this is the caption, and that's more or less all you have. Sometimes you get a transcript, sometimes you get a bill of particulars, but as far as the actual content, what they're going to talk about, could be anything. We all know that. So 
you have to prepare for anything because anything could come through the door on any given day. And it's even more true in cap in yeah, in captioning, because when I do a webinar, it could be a scientific discussion, it could be art history related, it could be the Dead Sea Scrolls and the you know, the discovery of the scrolls at the Qumran caves, and you just never know what is going to be the subject of discussion. And along with that is what terminology, what words are going to be spoken aloud, which then you are going to stenographically transcribe. Okay, so what I'm hearing, tell me, if, are you going in the direction of saying that like the most important thing to prepare is the skill of like when you hear something unknown, responding to it? Yeah, exactly. I think that's going from hearing something and not knowing how to handle it to knowing how to handle it. And like I, if it's I, a word you know that you never practice that that it's a word you know that's not in your dictionary, you know what to do. Right. So, in science, you know, I'm taking or organic chem. I'm not taking it, but I'm capturing organic chemistry, and they're talking about p orbitals and so voltage gated potassium channels, and uh, you know the axon action potential running along the axine along the nodes of Ranvier. You know, that's all Wait, very pause. Yeah. While you're talking, can I, I think it would be good if I, if I start writing. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to get into the writing. So, but of course, if you okay, want. Okay, I'm just going to write as you talk, as practice. Okay, so I'm going to try to stop. But I was throwing... thinking I could turn on the, turn on the captioning, but we could do that later. <laughs> turn on the, oh gosh, yeah, that would be interesting. Okay, so. we're fun, but anyway, keep going. Categories, you were talking about categories. You could yeah. do. You, you could spend a week studying organic chemistry, the example I was just using, but then if you go into a job or a, as a captioning assignment and they're talking about financial literacy for low-income communities, organic chemistry terms don't help you because they have no relevance in that context. But on the other hand, if you take the approach to dictionary building to any word, whatever the word is, whether it's triglyceride, adenosine triphosphate, or forfeiture and deed in lieu of foreclosure, financial terms going between chemistry and, and um, banking, finance. Now you have an approach that you can use to anything, regardless of what the topic is. Because again, like I yeah. said, we don't decide what the topic du jour. I did that on purpose. Du jour. <laughs> so be honest. Did it translate as did you jury or did you injure? Or did it actually translate in the French? No, I, I translated as did usher. See, there you go. I so, did D-A and then S-H long U-R. You're, you're actually giving me good insight about how I can help people because it would never have dawned on me that somebody would write the first stroke DA because in my mind, I see it and I just happen to know it's DU. And so I would write DU, but you wrote DA. So I've that, never seen the word written, I don't think. Well, you know, it's like on a menu, you'll see the soup du jour. It's just a fancy way of saying oh. soup. You know, <laughs> okay, I didn't. 
didn't so recognize it in context. Might be off risk and got it. Split P. I get it. I get it. Now, would an attorney say du jour? 100%. Absolutely, they could say it. Maybe not frequently, but you, they could be asking the witness, you know, what is your, you know, what is your, um, they could use it in like a casual kind of comedic. Like what's your favorite thing or something? Yeah, yeah. What is your preference? Okay. Your I just want to pause and say that what you're saying about focusing on taking the approach of dictionary building to any word, whatever the word is, this is like key because when you don't take that approach and you just think like you have to have every word in your dictionary, that's that's a very overwhelming thought. And that's the recipe for blockage of action <laughs> and building like a wall. Because if you feel overwhelmed, mm -hmm. it's just not, you're not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it if I feel overwhelmed. But if you take the approach of learning how to train your mind to know what to do in any situation, whether it's in your dictionary or not, that makes it much more approachable, much easier to think of doing and much like more worth the time to put in. That's kind of why I was bringing up David Goggins. That's exactly because he, he would go into any situation and say, I am going to overcome this. I don't care what the challenge is. I'm going to analyze the situation, break it into its tasks and accomplish it. And that's what we're doing with dictionary building. We're taking the English language and in the example I just gave, French, you know, we don't caption foreign language, but we do caption, I think, what do they call them? Co common parlance foreign languages like adios. You know, that's obviously Spanish, but if somebody were to say adios, it's not unreasonable to expect the captioner to, or a court reporter to transcribe it. Right. Anyway, let's not get off topic. So yes, <laughs> breaking a large task into smaller, manageable, bite-sized chunks, just like losing weight. I am mm -hmm. so thrilled that I've lost 20 pounds and it's because I watched hours and hours of videos. I re I've read books about cholesterol and, and fat to, to learn that, you know, things like fats aren't healthy. They don't cause heart disease. It's the refined carbohydrates and all the processed foods. So I've completely eliminated those. And so I take the good things from all the sources in fact, from that part of our conversation and I incorporate them into my own daily life and the results are now showing. So we're, we're going to do the same thing, you and your audience, for real time. So how about we we dive in? Because I I have I, I took notes on five Supreme Court cases, and the reason this is on my mind in particular is because I'm currently con I'm currently captioning constitutional law class at a law school for a student, and it's a it's such a huge class that they actually break it over two semesters, so they study it for almost a whole year because they have to go through the Constitution, the parts of the Constitution, the, the framers, the intentions, the words, and then the Supreme Court cases that determine fundamental rights and due process and equal protection and so forth. So it's, it's a huge topic and it's fascinating. It's very interesting to listen to. And it's also relevant because of all of the political debates that have been going on for the past few years. And of course, this is not going to become a political discussion whatsoever. The, I'm just going to, I picked five cases that were interesting to listen to. End of, just end of thought on that. Okay. And I'm typing, I'm writing on my machine as you go. 
and I'm probably going a little too fast, so I apologize. No, I, I love it. And I, just, I just want to say that I, and I, I said in the beginning that I don't want to be like focused like I was before, only because I really value like, like life balance and, but but my love for writing on the machine, like I love it so much that the the thing that really bothers me about, like I wish I could always be writing on my machine, but the reason that I can't is because of all the equipment, like it's too big. I can't carry it with me everywhere. What I wish there was a way, a way that, the, that there was like a portable way we could do it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I wanted to love the light speed. I just couldn't write on it. Maybe you know, they'll the come up with, Something like in the future. Have you ever seen the light speed? It's like a tablet, basically. This is not a light speed. This is a Microsoft Surface keyboard. That's really cool. I, I just hope that one day that someone will invent like a mini laptop that has a built-in steno keyboard or something. Yeah, I, I had dreamed about doing that and having just the keyboard that, about the width of a of a ruler. And it just has like a little flip top that you flip open and you you put it on your desk and it's literally just the keys and then it can be Bluetooth or cabled into a laptop because that way you don't need the wow. tripod, all this bulky shell stuff. Yeah. And maybe like a way to clip it to the computer or something, but I think we should request, <laughs> we should start a petition and, and get Stenograph or whatever companies can make it to make it. Well, Stenograph is going digital because their steno sales are down. So I don't put a lot of- They're going 100% digital? 100%? 100%, no. But the trend oh. is that they are incorporating digital. And, you know, it's sad. And look, I'm I'm upset about it, but I understand they're a company and they have to be profitable. And steno is becoming less profitable for them because we're losing people, which is, again, why taking a, more, a, a bird's eye view of this whole conversation, we're passionate about helping people be successful so that we can have- more people getting into the field and being happy with the field, making the kind of money, because again, no one should go through this arduous work if they're not going to make good money. Mm -hmm. So let's focus on, you know, instead of, instead of tearing down, how dare anyone ever use digital? Everyone is upset about that. Let's just focus on how can we be the best stenographers we can be and help other people to do the same. So that's what yes. this focus is. Yes. And yeah, just a quick question, I mean, not to get too off topic, but is, are people like protesting against Stenograph because of this? Are they switching to Eclipse or like what's going on with that? I think that is a little off topic, honestly, and I can't answer the <laughs> questions because I honestly don't okay, know. Okay, it's not like a quick, quick answer, like uh, they're switching to Eclipse. <laughs> right. I mean, I would have to talk to each Case Catalyst user and ask them that direct question. And I don't really care to do that because I don't care about the answer. I want to focus on being excellent at what I do and helping other people like you because you reached out directly and asked for this help. So let's focus on that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was just curious only because I did not because of the dig digital issue, but, but I was thinking of like trying out different softwares if there are any other comparable ones, because I don't know. I'm not, I don't know anything other than CaseCat. And sometimes the, the tech support takes a long time to get a hold of. And if you have an emergent issue, I heard that Eclipse is faster, but anyway, that's a whole nother topic. So let's uh, get back to topic. You got it. Pooch is now down here snoring. So I hope that's not too distracting. <laughs> I told you I you when we do this. 
training mm -hmm. stuff. Great. Okay, so what are we doing? So you have a file translated? Yes. Okay. So, like I said, because I'm in con law class captioning, and I've been privileged to listen to these discussions about very important Supreme Court cases, for the purpose of building your dictionary and illustrating some very granular level steno principles, I picked five cases that I would like to just announce and give like a one sentence summary of what those cases dealt with, the topic. And I'm just looking at Wikipedia. So just so you know, that's where I'm getting the, the dictation from. Wow. So Wikipedia yeah. is not in my dictionary. And that's a good point because that comes up not super high frequently. Even, it's, Wick um, is not in my dictionary. It came up in Steno. Wick in Steno and then Encyclopedia. <laughs> that's feedback for you. That's yeah, I mean, this is great. To me, this that could be the end of this session because my point has been proven, and that's not like, oh, you know, go me, but it's just common sense. You wouldn't have known that it wasn't in your dictionary until you wrote the word and saw that it wasn't in your dictionary, that it wasn't translated. I had the yeah. same experience that you just had right now in school in 2010 when I wrote the word rhinoceros. And mm -hmm. I wrote it rhinoceros stenographically perfectly, but it didn't translate. And I said, well, gee, how am I gonna know that that word, that one random word or any other random word is going to translate if I write it again, premised on the fact that the assumption that I do write it correctly, no drops, no drags. The only way to know that it's going to translate is to put it in your dictionary ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Yep, I just wrote it and it came out as rye, no sir, Ross. <laughs> oh God, this is like <laughs> history repeating itself, deja vu. There's another French <laughs> term for you. I'm this is finding it out. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. All right, so. So wow, point, rhinoceros is, I, I didn't realize it was spelled like this. I thought it, there was an S in it, but there's not. Well, at the end there is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's with a C, yeah. Not in the middle. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. just to pull it into um, medical terminology, if you ever take, or you or anyone who might watch this, ever takes a written knowledge test for a court reporting exam, and you hear something like rhinoplasty, well, it should be obvious to remember rhino, from what is right what's the defining feature of a rhinoceros it's the big horn on its nose mm. rhino would be related to something having to do with the nose mm. wow rhinoceros is so it sounds so ancient like it really sounds like a dinosaur well they are dinosaur-esque wow there are still dinosaurs that exist that's so cool i i think that and uh, alligators and crocodiles are like the, the um, last vestiges of, of living dinosaurs. Yeah, so but the rhinoceros has like like uh, Stegosaurus, Tyrannosaurus rex, like that word is like, so dinosaur. It's a so dinosaur. can you write steg Stegosaurus? Dinosaurs would can be I great. Write? Yeah, that would be a great topic to go through and write Tyrannosaurus, Stegosaurus, Brontosaurus, Nope, none of these are in my dictionary. I'm pretty sure they're in mine. 
I'm not writing right now, but you know, that's another example of when are you going to hear the term? I have no idea when you're going to hear the term, but they're words and people, everybody knows what they are. When you say Tyrannosaurus Rex, I mean, I think Jurassic Park, it, it's not a unforeign, it's not an unfamiliar word. It's just a word that you don't hear every day. But as soon as you hear it, it's instant recall from whatever part of our brain handles that. Mm -hmm. So I would have to ran. Okay, I actually forget about con law for a minute. I want to break it up stenographically because it doesn't need to be complicated. Tyrannosaurus has a lot of little syllables put together, but stenographically, I can do it in two strokes. Tran, yeah. T-R-A-N, and then saurus, S-A-U-R-S. That's how I did it. Perfect. And the same for brontosaurus and stegosaurus and however many other sauruses there are. Yep. Question now about that. Um, okay, so in Learn to Caption and Easton Yarnberger's program, she said that you should define every little piece of the word separately. Is that, do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, because, so um, if you were to write S-A-U-R-S without tran before it, what is it, what is it in English? Steno, S-A-U-R-S. Okay, great. Actually, that's even better. So it doesn't stand for anything currently English because it's not defined. So why not define it as delete space S-A-U-R-S? Is I'm that how you define suffixes or can you do, it's, yeah. it's another way to define it like F4 capital X or you could just do delete space? Okay, good point. It's, it's yeah, delete space is just literally gluing. You're glomming two chunks of words onto each other. It's not necessarily a prefix. Or, or I mean a suffix. suffix. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. But you said suffix. It's it, it's not exactly, but I'm going to make up a, a dinosaur right now. Okay. So pretend there was a dinosaur called, and this is always hard to pull something out of thin air. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. Everything I'm thinking of is absolutely <laughs> cheesy, but... Wandasaurus. Just pretend there was a dinosaur called Wandasaurus. Mm -hmm. Now, what did you write? Before you tell me how it translated, just steno, what did you write? W-A-N-D-S-A-U-R-S. -S. Excellent. That's exactly what I would have written. And the reason I picked wand is because I looked at my pen and I thought, well, it looks like a wand, so use that. So now you you had Saurus defined as the last half of the of a dinosaur name, right? No, I didn't define it yet because I wasn't sure how to do it. I mean, I, I oh. want to make sure I do it right. Okay, well, so let's pretend you had. That was the point. Now, if you hear the word wand, you can write W-A-N-D, and I'm sure it translated. I would hope that translated, right? It translated to witness stand. You wrote W-A-N-D? Mm -hmm. And it translated as witness stand? Yeah, because it's a brief form. Well, I, I understand that, but what about the word wand? I would do W-A-U-N-D. Hmm, okay. Yeah, it comes up as wand. Okay. Um, you know, Bren one, Josh zero. You called my bluff. <laughs> I would never have thought of that. But anyway, that's great. So, okay. So Wait, if but right, hold on, hold on. Let me define, I need to define Saurus first, right? Yeah, why don't you go ahead so that you can actually see the point that I'm trying to make. So should I do delete space or suffix or it doesn't matter? 
delete space because it's not a suffix. Oh, okay. But it would ultimately do the same thing or? No, it's yeah. just define it and then we'll. Delete space. Yeah. What's the keystroke for, oh. F4, um, I don't know. We, I've changed my keyboard map, so it's either D. F, it's F4 or, tilde in mine. Exactly, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Okay, so S-A-U-R-U-S, okay. Wait a minute, how do you spell, gotcha. how do you spell Soros? Um, I can't see, Tyrannosaurus, Tyran from Tyran. I think it's S-A-U-R-U-S. Okay. Now, okay. now I'm That's second right. guessing, I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> Just type in T-Rex and you'll find it. Yeah, yep, that's right. Okay, great. Whoa, scary pictures came up. <laughs> okay, sorry. That's the point, that's why. Okay, so back to the Wandasaurus, Josh's new dinosaur. Stupid though it might be, and it is. Okay, so you wrote wand, W long U, or tall A rather, A U in D. Mm -hmm. And then Saurus. Yeah. Okay, now you should have a translated compound word with a red squiggle underneath it because Case Catalyst is telling you it's misspelled, which it is because it's not a real word. Yeah. Okay. Let's pause there. The word is still misspelled, but this is the important point, especially for captioning more so than court reporting. If there were such a dinosaur, and if you're in a class or a context where you're captioning, and if they say that word, even though you didn't spell it right, Everyone who sees it translated on the screen can read it. They now have communication access in real time. That's very important. Do you understand what I just said? Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. You just fulfilled the mission of being a captioner, even though the word wasn't spelled right. And now step two to this process is to go back Every time you write a new word, or you have to fingerspell a word, or it doesn't translate spelled correctly, after the job, or if you have time on the job while you're writing, you can actually use a macro, and that really depends on your level of mental fortitude as people are talking. But you want to go back and put that word into your dictionary spelled the, the right way, not Wandasaurus, because there is no such thing. But if it had been a word like, let's say, Brontosaurus or Stegosaurus, if you write it and it didn't translate spelled correctly, you want to put it in your dictionary so that in the future for the rest of your career, for the rest of your life, it will translate correctly. But at that moment, when the word is said for the first time, now anyone that's reading your captions can understand what was said. Mm -hmm. That is the point. That is what a, your, your work product is your real time, not your transcript as a captioner. As a court reporter, of course, it's the transcript. Yeah. Now, I know this is, well, it is on topic, but so 
I think one of the most important things to know how to do when you're writing real time, this is what has come into my mind as I'm writing and things don't come up correctly because it's not in my dictionary, even though I'm writing it perfectly instead, it's not going to come up unless it's in the dictionary and it's not guaranteed to be in the dictionary. So when a word does come up like that is not defined on a job, we need to know how to define it as like, what's the fastest way to do it without taking your hands off the machine. I know you've taught me this before, but I didn't practice it. So I forgot. Okay. Well, that's on you. <laughs> you have to practice. I know now, but that's because I wasn't determined before, but now I am. Okay. So there are two ways to, to handle that situation where you need to write something. And again, it's real time, whether you're captioning or it's legal real time, and it's not in your dictionary. So now the, the worst case scenario is it goes out untranslated. That's, uh, sorry, that's the phone. That's not ideal. And you want to avoid that as much as possible. Can you believe my parents still have landlines and it's probably a spam? <laughs> Sorry. No problem. It's it's less important in a legal trans illegal real time. It's it's uh, less bad to have an untranslate because as long as you're a really good clean writer. You know, we always have untranslates in real time. I do. I, I use macros to fix them. So that's the worst case scenario. In captioning, it's it's more bad because, again, your real time is your work product, and that's what you're hired to do. So you want to have a strategy to not send out untranslates immediately to fix them. And here are the two strategies that I started talking about. Number one is to fingerspell it, where you literally fingerspell you know, using your, your A, B, C, D, E, F, G, forget about lowercase and uppercase for a second. You just fingerspell the word the best you can. Or number two, again, depending on your mental fortitude and the speed and difficulty of the speaker and the topic, you can use a macro, tower define, to define the steno that was untranslated into the correct English. That's more complicated and it is a little bit difficult to, not difficult, but it's, it takes very strong mental fortitude to do while you're on a job, because what you're basically doing is you're listening to people speak, and you're pulling up a power to find box, and you're writing the untranslate, and then you're going to the next box, and then you're fingerspelling the word, and then you're hitting enter, and then you're going back and writing the things that you've been holding in your ears as people mm. have been doing. And again, if they're yeah. going to, it's impossible. But it, it is very possible. It sounds so ridiculous, but believe me, I do it regularly. And the more you do something, the better you get at it. Wait, so what's the process of that again? Can you just repeat that? So like step yeah, one. Number one, okay. So there's finger spelling and there's power define in case catalyst. Power define is a specific term in case catalyst. I'm sure every cat software has an equivalent feature. Power define. Think about the words you are defining using the power or, or I like the word magic. You, you never move your hands from the steno machine to the keyboard. We could spend a whole hour learning how to do that and maybe we should and I'm happy to do it, but let me not you know, spend too much time going into the how-to of that just so that anyone that's on Case Catalyst listening to this knows you hit def def, D-E-F two times and that is a universal command to bring up the power defined dialogue wow. box. So any person on Case Catalyst can write def def and they'll see this box come up called power define. And 
again, it'll take me about an hour to teach you how to use it proficiently. So I'm not going to do it right now, but just look at it, know that it's there. And if you really want to learn more, I want to stress this point. No one likes to do this, but if you hit F1 and go to the help menu, you will have a tome. It looks like a, talk about a Dead Sea Scroll, a huge document that has every topic in Case Catalyst available for you to read, digest, and apply. And you can, F1, F1 is F1 is help, or you can go to you, you know the help oh. button. Sorry, I was pressing it while the power define was up. Nothing happened. So close that and then press that one. Yeah, okay, I didn't know that. So, and then you can type in power define and it will give you all of the instructions. All I'm gonna do is Joshua is humanize that process for you and make it a little more animated and stupid and corny because of my examples. But it's the same, yeah. in, how do I do this? If I don't know how to do it now, and then I spend an hour studying it, now I know how to do it. And then you have to apply it. And you said you didn't apply it. So it's you're kind of back to square one. You do have but to- But I don't think we spent an hour. Whatever. The point is, if you haven't- Not even close. <laughs> okay, fine. But if you, if you, Bryn, haven't applied it regularly, then it's going to feel foreign and it's going to feel brand new. Right. No, it definitely, right. that's, and that's how I learned is by practicing me. Well, I think most people by right. practicing it over and over again, then you get it. But I didn't realize that it takes that long to actually understand how to do it. I mean, it seems very simple, but. Because you, you have to go and there's a power to find job dictionary where you have, oh, we're going into the nitty gritty, but for example, I can define. Maybe we can schedule it. Sure. Mr. Mr. And Miss Miss for attorneys in colloquy. And then FPLT, FPLT gives you turn off all caps, colon, spacebar. And then you can hit in, uh, uh, sorry, uh, your paragraph, whatever your paragraph stroke is to go down to the next line and hit one for personal dictionary, two for case dictionary, three for job dictionary. And then sometimes you have four five or six if you have multiple dictionaries, uh, the very bottom one is replaced without defining it. See, I'm, I'm throwing all these concepts, but if you spend time and break it down, it takes time, but then you, you understand how to do it. Wow. Well, this is great to know because this is one of the most important skills to learn, I think, for real time. So that's one of the things that stops me from wanting to do it is because I don't know how to define like on the fly. So if I can master this, that'll really improve my confidence. Okay. Put, I'm sorry. I feel jump. like, am I, is that, is this crazy what I'm saying? No, put it on the next, the next webinar. Make that the topic of discussion, if you like. And we'll do an oh, hour yeah, and you can share your screen and make sure that when you record, you are recording the screen share because otherwise the audience is going to watch an hour of just our faces talking about power defying, which is utterly useless. So yeah. I think that was a great topic. I, I'm, I love it because I use it every day. It's a powerful tool in a stenographer's yeah. toolbox to be better at their job. Because it basically saves you time, right? I mean, you can't take your hands off the machine really while you're on the job. I would say the time saving is secondary. The, the number one benefit is cleaner translation in real time, especially as a captioner. Well, also but I mean, like, you know, when I say save time, it's because you can't, you don't have time to go to your computer and define something like take okay. your hands off the machine while you're on the record. Let me, let me give you a concrete example. Going back to organic chemistry and molecular biology, ATP is adenosine triphosphate, right? 
right? Can you write adenosine triphosphate? Oh, it's going into the power defined. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. And that's another thing is how to get out of the power defined box. When I teach power defined, I I tell the audience the most important lesson I'm going to teach you all day is how to get out of power defined for that very reason. But anyway, mm -hmm. about power defined for now. So adenosine, yeah, well, okay. triphosphate. Okay, so triphosphate came up, but adenosine did not. Okay, great. Well, so put it in and then it will. It, cellular energy. We use ATP for energy. Now, pretend you're in a class as I am where they say that pretty much every class. Uh-huh. Now, ATP... The, the English letters ATP, I write APT. It's mm -hmm. just ATP with the T and the P backwards. It reminds me no of Ohio. Ohio is OH, so I write HO with the asterisk and it comes out as Ohio. The letters are just backwards. Who cares, right? Yeah. I'm oh, by the way. That break, sorry. No, just, I mean, as we talk, I have questions pop up because someone recently asked me what theory I learned and I felt oh. kind of dumb because I didn't know. I hate that. Question. I didn't know. Do you know? I don't. I, I mean, I know we learned a hybrid of some stened, some completely made up theory, not not in a bad way, but theory that Cheryl Gorman and what was his name? Bard? Joseph or something Bard? Arthur Bard, the co-author. They, they both basically co-wrote the book, but Asking somebody, asking a stenographer what theory they learned is like asking somebody what diet you're on. It's a bad question because somebody wants to know, oh, should I be vegan or should I be carnivore? They're diametrically complete opposite. One is all plants, one is all animal protein. And if you answer that question, you're doomed because I don't follow either one, but I take the best parts of both. So... I don't know what theory I learned. I know it has elements of Stened, which, are, by the way, the only two theories I can name, three, are Stened, Phoenix, and Mark Kislingberry. Those are the only three I can name. Yeah. And I've, I've taken and little I pieces of uh, particularly Stened and, and Kislingberry. I can't say that I ever applied any theory, Phoenix theory because I don't know what it is. I know it has RR, but I don't understand what it does. So, you know, again, it doesn't tell you anything useful. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody has their own way of defining things and comes up with their own little theory. What works best for each person is right. different. And yes. Also, that brings up. Yeah, okay, go yeah. ahead. No, no, you, you. Well, I, I, like things come up. So it brings up the question I asked you the other day mm -hmm. about how to undefine something in the dictionary because we were given a dictionary to build off of in school, but it's a lot of things that don't come that, that don't align with the way I write. Mm -hmm and create conflict. Like even there were so many words defined with the prefix O-R instead of A-U-R, but that creates so many conflict. Yeah, I had something like that actually. They said, was your car stolen or towed? That was an example. Oh yeah, that's what, I, that's what happened with me. Was it, oh, maybe that's where I heard the example. Yeah, I said, here, and I wrote it, it down, up, I think. It came up ortho, what was, what was the problem with it? I remember you saying that. Let me see. Uh, because I had something where it translated as 
something that I wouldn't have defined it as. Oh, I think, okay, no, that was your example. Mine was Norway. And I had written comma, nor, and the comma was defined with the nor, which defeated my attempt to write the country Norway preceded by a comma. So then I got comma space the word nor space the word way. And I looked at that and was like, what the heck's that? Why, or why hmm. that? And you know, this is why I call it putting That's... your dictionary under a microscope, figuring these things out. It is problematic that they give us a dictionary and I understand why, because it's kind of a starter to get us up and running, but you really have to build your own and know exactly what's in there. Did you find your own? And that's why I, I was going to ask you, like, is it better to just start from scratch? No, right? No, no that's too much. Because I was tempted to. <laughs> no, I, I don't think you need to start from scratch. You know, I didn't throw out my 25,000 word dictionary. I now have about 350,000 most of which, all of which I put in, but no, yeah. that's just, you're just working against yourself at that point. I really want to get back okay, to so, right, phosphate. Oh, so here, I found it. It's or torso. Oh, or torso. And it came up as, it came up as orator space S-O-W, so, because the person, whoever defined it in the dictionary, defined it as or tor, O-R slash T-O-R, which is not the prefix. That's right. just the word or. Yeah. So I undefined it, but I'm Orator. still looking for the if there is a one a key keyboard stroke to undefine something. I feel like there is, and I'll let you know if I find it. But anyway, sorry, you can get back okay. to your thing. Okay, I was talking about adenosine triphosphate ATP, and I was going to illustrate a point. I'm now going to have to go back and watch the video to remember what my point was. Oh, I think it was about. Power define. Yes. Okay. Because if if they say adenosine triphosphate multiple times, you're clearly not going to want to write it out every time. It, it, that's when briefing just makes sense. It's stupid not to brief it if that's happening. Yeah. Okay. So what do I do? I write. Um, um, well, you. I think you would say asterisk. You can do it a number of ways, but just add the ad. Two times, add, add. Done. Adenosine triphosphate, add, add. Okay. Now, is that a good brief for adenosine triphosphate? Absolutely not. For your personal dictionary, is that a good brief for adenosine triphosphate for your case dictionary for that class for the duration of the semester? You bet your, you know what? Of course, briefs, are seductive because they are useful in certain situations, but they will work against you because if you're in your brain, you cement the concept that I can write adenosine triphosphate as add add, you're committing that to memory, but you might need those two strokes for something completely else. You may, maybe you have an attorney whose name is Adam Whistleberg, and you, you know you just want to write add add, and now God forbid you're in real time, and the videographer says, "Would counsel please identify themselves?" And Mr. Whistleberg says, good morning. This is Adam Whistleberg for the plaintiff. And it comes out as, good morning. This is adenosine triphosphate for the plaintiff. Look at you like, who's this reporter? <laughs> I mean, you might have a chuckle about it. No, they're not going to say anything. Like, you know, Appearances, by the way, 
part of writing real time, just so court reporters know that it does take, I, I keep using the phrase mental fortitude because you have so many things coming at you, especially when you have multiple attorneys and you're on video, you have to have the speaker designation, the speaker ID, the actual name of the person, they usually say what firm they're from and the party that they represent. So you have four data points times how many people around the table introduce themselves and you have to be so nimble the briefs that you have put into your dictionary ahead of time. That is a skill unto itself. And I have a, a, an exercise that I would love to do with you. It, ideally, we could have five or six more people join us and be orators, narrators, playing the attorneys. And so I can illustrate how I prepare my job dictionary and how I handle the appearances on the record at the beginning of a video deposition. It's really a lot of fun to do. And it's great when you get it right. And it's embarrassing when you get it wrong. I get it right yeah. 90% of the time. I'm not going to pretend. Absolutely. Sorry. That was the end of that thought. Oh, okay. So I I think that, yeah, totally. If we plan it ahead and I post it on Facebook and invite everybody, they can join. Um, mm -hmm. I, I posted it very last minute. So I don't think anybody, obviously nobody joined, but I want to open it up for everybody to be able to join So because everyone has questions about the same thing. So, or different things and it, you know. Yeah. So um, so next time we'll definitely plan it ahead. And I just want to ask, like, I, I'm sorry for asking so many questions. If you have, like, we can differentiate if we want it to be like, if we want it, maybe we can have some designated for Q&A and some, or some time designated for Q&A and some time for, because I feel like you had a lot you wanted to share and you didn't get didn't it even, because. I had five Supreme Court cases written down. I didn't talk about one of them and that's fine. <laughs> I love these conversations with you because you spur so much creativity in me. We talked about the Wandasaurus. We talked about Ohio. We talked about adenosine triphosphate. We talked about power to <laughs> We talked about Tyrannosaurus rex. I mean, how do we do this? I don't know. It's you couldn't you couldn't write a script if you were a playwright that's as good as what you and I come up with. This is a lot of fun. I know, and right? I do think we should have a structured time for Q and A because if we had more people on, that just I love answering questions, but it derails the point of the conversation when you go, as right. you can see, very easy to start going down these rabbit holes into other directions. Right. Especially if you have certain points you want to talk about, we can structure it in a way that we have 30 minutes to talk, like where we don't interrupt you, and then 30 minutes where it's Q&A. Yeah. And then, yeah. of course, there will be so many questions that come up during the 30 minutes where we can't interrupt, and then I'll just write, like, we'll just write them down. This is fun. I, I think this is great because people should be able to watch this and have fun and hear the conversation. And again, it's a buffet. Take what works for you. Anything that I say, you can you can take it or leave it. Not going to hurt my feelings. Yeah. Reporters and captioners can have different opinions. We all know that they do. And that's fine. I have no patience for people that tear down other people because of their differing opinions. But I'm, I'm perfectly happy to hear other opinions about why somebody thinks they have a better way of doing something than I do. Like you said, wand. I would have never in a million years thought witness stand, but hey, that it works phonetically or, or um, you know, brief wise, it works. So let's just yeah. keep and have fun and let's structure it so that we do achieve what we want to talk about. And um, okay, so let's let's plan for next Friday at nine a.m. and play it by ear. You know, we said we'd play it by ear, but I think yeah. this was a good time too. Yeah, and next time, remind me, I want to talk about the V, because I had a whole lesson on the V, meaning Plessy V. Ferguson, for example, Dobbs V. Jackson's Women's Health, the V, when you have a case that stands for versus. I want to talk about that. That opens up a whole can of worms about how you write, how you use alphabets. Okay. 
A through Z for okay. context. That'll be good. I'm right, writing this down. Noted. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you so much, Joshua. Um, I will talk to you next Friday or right. in between. Too. Thanks for this time. Thanks. Yes, it was. Bye.